0: to another episode of the Sideline Junkies Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to follow and like the Sideline Junkies Podcast on social media. Links for those social media accounts can be found in the description of this video. Now let's take you to your hosts, Matt Turner and Todd Polston. And your moderator for the Sideline Junkies Podcast, Alec Williams. Welcome to episode six of the Sideline Junkies podcast. I'm Matt Turner. I'm joined by Todd Pulse and Alec Williams. And today we have a very special guest, uh, Kentucky State Senator, Mr. Max Wise.
1: Guys, thanks for having me. Doing great. Is there any chance, though, I can get this viral and (laughs) trending?
0: I'm sure it'll make its way to Facebook.
1: It's glad to be on with you, too, and I'm so glad we got the moderator <laughs> with us today as well. So,
0: I'd uh, like to start the show off. Uh, it's actually Todd's uh, only part he enjoys of the whole show, I think, is he gets to share the Tiger stat of the day.
2: <laughs>
0: so, let's let's hear this stat. I feel like i got a good one today. today. Okay. So, I know we talk
2: about, you know, passing the torch from, you know, I can say from one goat to the other. So this is my Jack, Nicholas, and Tiger Woods stat here, okay? Okay. So the last four majors that that Jack Nicholas played in, okay, they were the 2000 U.S. Open, okay? Then he retired from the U.S. Open. Then he played St. Andrews in 2000, then he retired. He played the 2000 PGA at Valhalla and retired. And then he played the O5 masters, and retired from all major championships. So that was his last four he played in. On like, those four, he was grouped with Tiger, and he won all four. So I feel like that's a pretty cool stat. So the four majors that Jack retired on, Tiger won those four. And they played the first two rounds together. That's pretty cool.
0: is pretty impressive. That's awesome. I, I, I feel, feel like that's kind of the direction. A little,
2: it's like one of those universe things, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of meant to be type situation there.
0: So, uh, who wants to jump right into it? Whoever wants to to get us started, ask a question. We can just go from there.
3: State champion, take it.
0: The state champion is going to lead us off. well
2: I'm gonna say it's a funny question you're gonna think I'm joking but I've actually had this from about multiple people I even had this in-person question yesterday do you know when they can start fishing bass tournaments in Kentucky do you have an answer for that Mr. Wise
1: no I don't that's a great question um you know only thing I've seen is just kind of like everybody else as soon as this gets rolled out by the governor or KHSAA. But I would think in terms of social distancing, there's no better sport that could start immediately or than, than bass fishing. I also think you got to look at golf and tennis and other things of where you don't aren't congregated like that of six feet apart. So um, that's a great question. I don't think anyone is, has brought that up or I'm not seeing anything about that.
2: Well, I was actually under the impression when I was talking to this individual yesterday, I thought that, like, your local tournaments, even at Green River and stuff, had already opened up, like, their club tournaments already started. I, I thought they already started. I didn't know that they hadn't. And um, that kind of shocked me um, when I heard, when he asked me that. If, um, if I, you know, if I knew anything about that, Of course, like, well, I don't know anything, you know, other than what, you know, the governor and all that stuff says, I hadn't heard. So the only I was thing kind of know- questioning
1: how that hadn't happened either. Yeah, the only thing, Coach, is I think they've not yet had the gatherings of 50-plus people unless they think that that would still be considered a large gathering. But once again, if you're spread out enough, I I don't see why that's not. And here's the other thing. I mean, tourism dollars have got to be brought into these regions that have lakes such as Lake Cumberland, Green River, Del Hala, just in my Senate district. I mean, they they are going to be needing sustainability through revenue, and so – I, I would be all for that. I think that's a great concept. And I'm hoping maybe that decision's, you know, if it's not been made, it needs to be made quickly, uh, you know, to look at.
0: I agree. We, we've kind of talked off and on about the whole, um, you know, the phasing in things, uh, the, the phase two plan of bringing stuff in and allowing people to start uh use sports. And you have um, – you, know, you have – every one of your kids play a sport do you have any words um, as far as cause we I haven't seen anything that says what uh precautions are gonna be taken or in what capacity they're allowed to start U Sports um, on the June fifteenth, I think. That's, I, that's the only the only thing I know is June fifteenth U Sports can start. I, yeah. seen
1: else. I got a call actually on Saturday from a uh, constituent in Camelsfield that's on the Trace Creek uh, softball board asking. What are the guidelines? You know, What's going to be the numbers of parents, grandparents that can be there to watch? And if we're talking about a 50-person gathering if that's what it's going to be. Uh, every decision that's coming out is made by the governor. And uh, I think a lot of people may not realize this because I get so many questions about it from, from different people if it's unemployment issues or sports-related. We as legislators do not have any decision making. We have not had any in terms of the rollout of the phases, and we don't learn until the Andy at Five show in the afternoon of what it is, and that's been very frustrating. Um, you know, we cannot go in as legislators once we leave the legislative session, which this year was around April thirteenth, uh, and we're done. Uh, we can have interim committee meetings but we can't pass legislation. Uh, We can't stop executive orders. Uh, So unless there's a change in the state constitution and that would have to be done by constitutional amendment, we, we can't do anything right now. We're kind of, are helpless and we're held hostage to decision making. And I know we have separate branches of government and people can look at this by there's too much power in one branch or the other, but in times of emergency such as this, I wish we had the authority to really step in into uh, what i consider considered was make some common sense decisions. I'm, I'm all for safety, don't get me wrong, uh, but I also think different areas of the state can handle things differently. I think uh, rural areas are much different than the urban areas. Um, and I, I just wanna see common sense in some of these things. And just like that, we didn't know some of the guidelines with churches until a day or two before. And if you're going to tell youth sports June 15th, but if we don't know anything by the 1st of June, how are we going to be prepared and set up and ready to go with this type of thing? So, you know, we need some guidelines. We need some leadership. And, you know, I'm hoping that we start to see some of that uh, is, is played out in common sense. Swimming pools. There's been a petition for 50,000 people in Kentucky to say let's open up neighborhood swimming pools and public swimming pools. Uh, the governor's – he's not budged on that. And so, you know, you got – we're talking about athletes. You know, swimmers, I would think, could be socially distanced in the pool. But we're going to have some kids here this summer that probably are not going to be able to swim uh, that are competitive swimmers because of some of these decisions that are being made, uh, once again, with I would consider common-sense approach.
2: That's a great question. Hey, Max. This- uh, go ahead, Todd. I was going to follow up, I was going to say, how is this, you know, I guess, you know, how is this affecting, you know, Jackson and them and, you know, your kids at home with, you know, I'm sure Jackson's, I mean, I'm sure he's probably shooting hoops around the house. And, you know, like you said, he's still lifting some and that type of thing. But, you know, I know it's got to be difficult not having, you know, your AAU and, you know, all that summer stuff too that's, you know, I'm sure they're a lot looking forward to.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the question, you know. It, I think it's it's for every parent right now that has a child who's in sports and, and even in things like band. I mean, there's so many things that kids participate in that there's just that uncertainty of knowing, all right, when will we get to know when's this going to be lifted? And uh, I think always the unknown is what it's almost like a grieving process. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel for these seniors that are graduating here the next day or two. I, uh, for those that played sports or participated in some type of activity, to uh, have something taken away from them, I, I couldn't imagine. And, and I tell Jackson all the time, and Grayson and, and Carter and everybody, you know, what they're going through is, is just a, it's, it's a tragedy that they will never be able to get that back. Um, so I think it's like grieving uh, where their anger sets in, then it's a depression, and all these things can happen, and then being optimistic. So I hope there's some optimism um, that we see this summer that can lift some of these things. Uh, for, for Jackson, he misses the competition. Like you said, it's mm-hmm. one thing to go out and shoot. It's one thing to play against your little brother. But it's another thing to actually be competing. Uh, and, and he's had some good help. I know uh, Alec has, has helped with some things. And he needs those things. He, he works hard. He's one of those kids that we're very blessed that will go do things on his own. But you also miss out on the, the competition part. And you all know. You, you've been athletes, you're coaches, and you know what I'm getting at.
3: Yeah. Max, um, your mom, Donna, she started the Camels University Lady Tiger basketball program back in the 70s. Uh, she was a Hall of Fame coach in her 32 years at Camelsville. What would be your best story that you could give us from that time that you can remember at her time at Camelsville?
1: You know, there's, there's a lot of good memories of, uh, of being a coach's son. I, I will tell you, I wouldn't trade being a coach's son for anything. And for those of you all that are coaches and you have children, they're going to be able to see things in, in such a different way in life. It's helped me with my job also as a legislator. Uh, and I will tell you, it's just like uh, decisions I make, votes that I take, you're second-guessed. You have, you know, Sunday quarterbacks they are going to say, well, you should have done this, you shouldn't have done this. Coaching is very similar, as you all know. You have to make game time decisions, game planning, and you go with it. And you you got to be thick skinned. And so seeing my mom in that position uh, showed me a lot of, of leadership skills uh, that, that that I was able to carry on in, in how I approach parenting and how I approach also being a legislator. So uh, in terms of great memories, um, probably one of the best ones was was going down as a small school like Campbellsville in the 90s, beating Murray State University, uh, their women's team on their gym floor. Our president at that time was Dr. Ken Winters, who was from Murray. And, uh, you know, we, we, we were competing against a school that's got vast better resources, uh, bigger population, bigger recruiting budget, all those type of things. But to go there and beat Murray on their home floor was probably one of the highlights to, to, to take in a program and, and done something like that. You know, we were never able to when I was there and my mom was there to crack into that final four. And Ginger has done that and she's done exceptionally well. And uh, and Ginger would tell you, you know, she has so much great respect for my mom and vice versa with my mom with Ginger. But I think that's always one of the things that was the missing piece. Uh, and, and Coach Polson, you got to experience that by being a, a state champion. You had to step in. Uh, after filling big shoes like that, and you were, went right through after Coach Parks and, and you were able to lead a team and, and to accomplish that. And uh, I, I will say, I'm not speaking for my mom, but for me, uh, being a son of a basketball coach, never winning that national title or being able to crack into that final four was, was you know, one of those things we always had as a goal. Uh, we produced some All-Americans. She produced some wonderful servant leaders that are doing wonderful things across the state and some even actually across the United States. But that banner, I, I think, is probably what, looking back, probably missed out on the most of not having something like that.
0: So, you know, being from being from Kentucky and, you know, and I lived in Campbellsville for a few years, you know, you kind of – you get that uh, divide between you're either a Kentucky fan or you're a Louisville fan. Uh, the unique thing that me and you share, we're Notre Dame fans, especially football. What – I mean – where did that come from for you? Like, where did when did you decide, hey, I'm going to be thing? What was that
1: moment? Coach, I appreciate you asking that. You know, I'm uh, like you, I'm, I'm passionate. I'm a diehard. Um, and, and one of those of where I live every Saturday, my kids will tell you, my emotional level of win or lose on a Saturday night or Sunday morning is based off of the outcome. And I know, Coach Polston, you're like that with UK. And I'm sure, uh, Coach Turner, you're the same way with UK and other sports, too. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, or you know, wherever the team may be, you know, I, I'm Catholic. Uh, I, I grew up Catholic, still am. practicing Catholic, our family and our church. And uh, Notre Dame being, I think, the leading Catholic institution, that probably had a lot to do with it. And uh, back in the in the '80s, you know, when I was young, there was not the way it is with college football now, where it's on every channel, Fox Sports, ESPN, one, two, three, and all these other Big Ten networks. So NBC, that was it. I mean I had that and I had you know a, maybe a CBS Saturday SEC game. And so I just always had a passion for Notre Dame 88. They won the national title, Rocky Dismail, Chris Zorich, Michael Stonebreaker, a lot of those guys, Tony Rice, and uh, it was just something I fell into and just never let go of it. Um, I don't think I could have combined both of my ACT scores and gotten into Notre Dame. <laughs> but I am a passionate fan. We we, we lucked into years ago of uh, Notre Dame football season tickets. And uh, I, I take people all the time up there that have never been just for the experience. And I'll tell you, I've got some friends that are diehard SEC fans or diehard Ohio State, you name it. But if they go on that trip and they're able to be on that campus and see a game – they come back with an appreciation. They may not be a, a Notre Dame diehard hard fan after they leave there, but I guarantee they will watch Notre Dame in a different realm than what they would have experienced before. So, uh, you know, it's just something and, – and I've raised my kids on it. Um, you know, some have accepted it, some have not. Grayson could care less. Um, but, you know, then that's not to say that I don't root for – Kentucky sports, um, I'm, I love watching, you know, what Mark Stoops has done with U.K. football. I think it goes back to Rich Brooks, what he was able to establish, and others. I think that fan base uh, is one that should be rewarded. U.K. football fans have suffered more than any other. I mean, I, I talk about how I live in Notre Dame, but they've got a tradition, and they've had excellency. It's and expectation. Almost got to be with U.K. football. They expect to lose in certain big games. And I we've seen a complete turnaround and man hats off to those fans that have, have stuck through it all those years. And that's why I hope we have college football this fall. Uh UK's got a UK's got a great opportunity in the SEC East this year. Um and I would hate to see football not be there for this UK football season upcoming. Great question too. So what is I
2: guess a follow up of that would be what is your What's your most memorable game that you can remember uh, going to as, you know, at Notre Dame or any game? I mean, maybe you went to a, you know, a big bowl somewhere. What was, you know, what's your favorite, favorite game of, of Notre
0: Dame?
1: You know, uh, probably that, that's, that's really good because I've seen some good ones. I've seen some not so good ones in person. <laughs> some of them I gave my tickets away uh, to a game that was really good. The, the one game just a few years ago when uh, Notre Dame held Stanford at the goal line, they had first and goal, and they couldn't score. Manti Teo made a tackle right there at the end of the game, and Stanford says the ball got in. Video replay shows it didn't. I wasn't there, but that was a rainout game. My dad got to be there. I was glad that he was able to experience that. Um, I tell you, a, a, a great one we took the kids to was the Music City Bowl when Notre Dame beat LSU a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think with that, Um, You know, the SEC is the SEC. Great respect for the SEC, I root for them. And, uh, you know, to to beat a a team like LSU, uh, even at that time, is still a great signature win for your program. They followed up a couple years later at the Citrus Bowl uh, when they were able to beat LSU, and we've seen what Orgeron's done since then. Uh, I've also been at some heartbreakers of games that I've been to. I went to the At Clemson game, which was basically a, a, a hurricane game to sit through that. And to almost have a chance of winning. And then the Georgia game, uh, we were there for that one. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you're almost there. I think that's the thing about Notre Dame right now. They're not over the hump. They can't yet win the big one. Brian Kelly can win the games you're expected to win, but you got to beat Clemson. You got to beat Georgia. You got to beat, you know, those programs and do it consistently to still get the respect. I think they're right there on the cusp of trying to break in. Um, So, uh, it, it's um it's one of those relationships you have with following the sports teams of you know if if you're gonna be a diehard and you're gonna you gotta be through through the thick and thin and, and emotional levels, man it could uh, it can drive you to madness or drive you to sadness
0: mm-hmm. So my, the worst game I remember with Notre Dame uh, as far as heartbreaking was the uh, bush push. Oh yep, were you at that?
1: I was not there, but I was like you, probably bought my TV, thinking you've got this. Uh, and to see a play like that, it was like third and 12, third and 15, just thinking, just get a stop here, you know. And
3: yeah.
1: then the liner with that pass, he made the receiver within the bush push also. And that team, man, that was some great athletes on that USC team. I mean, it was. That, that was some, some great college football in that time, what Pete Carroll was, was able to do. But I'm with you, that was – and I will tell you this, I had a lot of respect too for Charlie Weiss in that game. Cause he went into, if you don't know the story, you may, he goes into the busy locker room after the game's over uh, just to congratulate USC on that type of game. And I think as a coach, to lose a heartbreaking game, but to go into that locker room of the opposing team right after and congratulate the other team's players, uh, that has so much class for me. I think. You know, and I will say also as a U.K. basketball fan, you know, you go back to the Leitner shot, and that's kind of like the bush push for Notre Dame fans. It went for a national championship or go to a Final Four. But those are memories right there that just as a child or anybody who grows up with it, and you just can't get that taste out of uh, You know, I, I'm, I could talk Notre Dame football all day, but you go back to the mid-90s, you know, the Boston College field goal, you know, yeah, that was able to knock them out of playing in the national championship was Florida State, and they beat them the week before. Uh, probably one of those games you all know as coaches, you win a big game and the next week or the next game is a letdown game. My mom says it all the time. After emotional big wins, games that follow up those emotional wins are some of the toughest games to ever get over. And that game was also on a senior day. And my mom will tell you this, senior day games are some of the worst games because it's a lack of, of mentality. And it's not that your players aren't, you know, it's just there's so much uh, pompous going into this. There's so much, uh, you know, celebration that goes into it that it's easy to lose mental focus, and so uh, I never forget that Boston College game at home uh, to get beat by a field goal like that to, uh, to a team that you should expect expected to beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have one?
0: I, I was waiting. I didn't know Valley was going to jump in at some point.
3: Well, I, I can jump in. That's fine. Um, Max, With the KHSA setting everything back right now, do you have any – or what's your opinion on how you think fall sports is going to be impacted by the coronavirus?
1: Well, I will say this. I'm going to start off with something that's in the news right now. It happened just down in Laurel County. Um, And some of you all may or may not have seen this. I think probably you have because you all follow this very closely, (laughs) is pink slips giving out by a school board or by leadership of a school district to go ahead and tell your basketball coaches, your band directors, you know, here's what's coming down the pipe. That, that's worrisome for me on so many different levels. Uh, you know, first of all, we don't know yet what's going to happen. Uh, the, the KHSAA commissioner just said, you know, it could be – it could look different what the start of sports could be. Uh, I hope that doesn't necessarily mean all fall sports are wiped out. But to already be delivering a pink slip, uh, that I, I'm, I'm completely caught off guard with that and very frustrated that that's already being done. Now, I, that was a local decision. Uh, I can't speak for Laurel County Superintendent and their schools, but, you know, that's a school that's deep and rich in basketball and other mm-hmm. traditions there, uh, and I, I hate to see that happening. Uh, personally, uh, I, I, would, I would hope the school starts back uh, in a, a mid-August. Uh, there, I will tell you all, there's been discussions of a staggered approach, maybe starting in July to get us in early. That way, if we do see a spike in November, uh, we have to take necessary time off, we can do so. Uh, but, you know, I think it needs to be mid-August, possibly even, if we're looking at after Labor Day. But we, we need we need to get back in a normal routine as much as possible. I think I I can speak for, for children. My kids are ready to see friends and get back in a safe environment. I think we can do it in a safe way. Mm-hmm. I think teachers want to get back i think if you're five months off out of the classroom you lose so much you lose relationships you lose connection with kids and we also are losing out with learning and the online environment um does not work for everybody it doesn't work for all teachers it doesn't work for all students uh, and i think we need to have face-to-face time as much as possible but still in a safe manner and i think we can do common sense out here to do that
0: Right I think it was it wasn't very long before we we started this I seen Yeah it was this morning. They they've already the superintendent's already hired back mm-hmm. all of the people that they pink slipped because of the uh backlash. Good good guy. Yeah. So I'm glad you said that. I, I, that's good to no. know.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. You know I was uh, when I saw that. I saw that last night. I was in shock when I saw you know I just couldn't imagine you know with that being so far out that they would even I mean, like you said, who even knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, I mean, you could still have it to where it's pushed back a couple months and you still have that season. And, you know, I just there's a lot of dynamics to, uh, you know, the trust with their, you know, their school system, with their coaches, with, you know, I mean, I just I feel like there's a lot of barriers there that were, you know, kind of broken with that, you know, early dismissal of, you know, those coaches.
1: Yeah. I agree, Todd. You know, we, we've, in terms of um, – You know, the rollout of what school is going to look like, I think a lot is going to be local decision making. uh, Because we know Jefferson County is different than Taylor County, it's different than Bardstown. Every school is going to be affected differently with how this is done. We've seen the number of cases, uh, rural Kentucky County, some of them in my district have had one to three. Some that have nursing homes have had a huge spike. Um, But, you know, if, if we're doing this in a safe manner and a safe approach, I think we, we need to get back as much as possible i think uh the big thing for school starting back is going to be child care uh it's going to be how do we uh allow parents to work and allow to have child care uh and I, I think once again every school is going to look at it differently there's been some districts that have discussed group a and b starting monday wednesday or a tuesday thursday and a friday being an nti day somewhat five days a week so I think we're going to allow local decision-making to take precedence and not so much government overreach, or at least I hope not. I'm not for government overreach and telling people, here's what you have to do. Uh, I'm not for that at all, and I think we all can make the best decisions for the areas in which we live in. Uh,
0: Was there there any point in this whole thing where you just you felt like this was not going to be as bad as it's gotten? Or did you feel
1: like it's going to get way worse? It was was just... Yeah. Matt, uh, I I thought initially it was going to be two weeks and we're right back. I I thought it was going to be kind of like we've done with the flu during the school year. And, you know, we're off and then all of a sudden we we go right back. You know, um, well, I was in, I was in Frankfurt in the session when all this was starting to happen. And uh, I think every, every one of us, when we saw Berea College, I think was the first college to say, we're shut down, we're closing. A lot of us, uh, re- regardless of political party, a lot of us thought, man, what a knee jerk reaction to shut yeah. school completely down for the semester. But then once we started to see how this thing is affecting, especially New York. Uh, and I'm not going to say that that decision didn't need to be made, but I think it really started to take a turn uh, of, of knowing. And I think we all knew after two to three weeks, we probably weren't going to come back. We didn't. We knew yeah. that uh, no one was going to make that decision. And we kept saying, let's wait two weeks, let's wait two weeks. Uh, but I think we finally realized uh, in terms of the, the cleanliness of the schools and, and uh, of everything was still unknown. We didn't know the ages of some of these uh, deaths and, and some of the people that were contracting the virus. So I think it was uh, it was the right it was the right call to make. Uh, but I I do feel like and, and once again it's it's kind of like we're, we're in sports. We seem to be moving goalposts on some of these things. Initially it was let's flatten the curve, and we flatten the curve, and then all of a sudden it's well let's wait and see when we after two weeks we don't have as many deaths and. It just seems to be every state is rolling things out differently, and I think that's where frustration lies. Mm-hmm. If you live on a county around Tennessee, which in my Senate district I've got Clinton, Wayne, Cumberland, Macquarie right there. Tennessee's opened up a lot sooner than Kentucky. Uh, Indiana started opening up sooner than Kentucky. And I think that leads people all of a sudden to think, okay, we need to be just like these other states. And I think that's probably how the governor's taking his approach. and. Um, We've always been divided uh, in our society of urban versus rural and divided along political lines. But I tell you, I think this virus has probably divided us more than anything. Uh, and I don't know if we're going to be able to get some of this back. I think now you've got people that want to wear masks and some that don't want to wear masks. You've got some that don't want to because of personal reasons of asthma. You've got some that feel like they need to do it to be uh, you know, doing their part. And um, I just hope that we, as a society, we can continue to love one another, and we also can consider be considerate of others, because, you know, as Christians uh, and as people, uh, I worry about losing kindness in, in this. And I hate to see some things tearing us apart from the fabric of our society, but the virus has really done that, and I hope we can get back. To who we once were, and I don't know. I mean, and and that's that's not just politics. That's just human nature and human beings. So it's it's going to be a social science experiment to watch how we do.
2: Well, it's like on your, you know, your point there. You know, just like with uh, with Brooke and I, my wife. You know, with her being pregnant. Yep. Um, you know, and in in my eyes, I probably if she wasn't pregnant, we probably wouldn't be as. You know, I yep. guess you know as secure about or insecure about everything that's going on um you know because i just couldn't imagine you know if something happened that i got it or you know i had to be quarantined away for 14 days with you know and she could have you know our baby boy during that time you know so i think it's kind of one of those things like I, we always talk about maybe if we didn't have a small child or wasn't pregnant maybe we wouldn't you know necessarily worry about it as much but uh it's a complete life changer when it comes to uh, you know that type of situation where you just don't really know what's going on. Yeah. Like I said, maybe if we weren't in that situation, I would go to Lowe's and not even think twice about it. Yeah. Or you know go you know I was doing the bus you know the the bus route for you know two months there month and a half and you know once you know a couple things happen you know I was I just told them I was like you know it's just not kind of worth it to me this close in time you know that something could happen to me. So like you said, it's just it's almost like a division thing. It's, it's so hard to figure out, you know, how it's going to actually all come out, you know, when it's over, you know, is everybody going to kind of join back together or is there going to be a big division between, you know, like you said, the mask wearers and the people that, you know, think it's stupid or think it's all a hoax. So I think you made a great point on the, on the division. I think that's a, a great point how you, uh, you said that.
1: Yeah, and, and it's, you know, we're going to, as I'm speaking as a legislator, but we will have the next three years, the toughest times and trying times that we probably have ever faced since probably Great Depression. I mean, it's unfortunate that there's going to be businesses that are going to close that will never come back. Uh, there's going to be budgets that are going to be severely cut, uh, that we have to be physically responsible with how we spend money. Uh, as families and as school districts and everything. I mean, uh, th- you're going to have a lot of people in my job uh, that are public servants that don't want to do this anymore. I mean, because it's going to be very difficult to make decisions for a mass number of people. Uh, and um, it- it's going to be trying times. And and like I said, I'm speaking from faith, uh, of, of prayers, uh, but also in terms of just... I hope we can tone down some of the emotions on some of these things. Uh, and, and, and social media has has gone so far; it's toxic. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's it, it's throwing a grenade and watching you know the effects as soon as posts and comments are made. And so I appreciate talking sports and what you all have done because we need oh, to man. talk about other things. We need to get those things to to get back to our minds off of this stuff.
2: Yep. Great point.
3: Max, we were talking last night about some things we might talk about today or whatever, and your kids got a little nervous when we brought up this topic last night. What is your funniest story about your kids playing a sport? Because they all play at least one, if not multiple sports. So what's your favorite story about each one of them playing sports?
1: Oh, you know, um, probably – your, your, your coaches there probably could have some good stories of things that maybe were in practice or road trips or some things like that that I probably don't know about. Um, you know, We don't know about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I tell you what, Grayson did the travel volleyball, and I don't think Coach Zink saw this, but one time she they, she plays the front line, but they it rotated back that she was serving. And she threw the ball up to serve and just completely missed the ball. I mean, it was just – and luckily we got it on video. And uh, <laughs> it, it was like, oh, my gosh, Grace. And, 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 you know, she's one of those kids who just rolled right off her back. She laughed with it, you know. And for some kids, they would have been mortified. Uh, but I love to see it just shows that she could she could roll right along with it. We got a great laugh out of that. Um, you know, it, and Jackson, in, in terms of, I mean, he's – He's very serious how he approaches stuff. And so, you know, you guys may have some good funny stories on him with sports. In terms of just, uh, you know, funny stories, uh, I'll I'll tell you one that we did. And and Carter was young. I thought this was just not a sports story, but just a funny story with with him. Um, I took a Raisinette, had a pack of Raisinettes. And Carter was like five or six years old. And I go down to his bathroom. And I put a raisinette, I cleaned off his toilet seat. I made sure it was Cloroxed and clean really good. But I put a raisinette there on his toilet seat. And I acted like, you know, he'd used the bathroom, he'd missed. And so I told him, I said, Carter, come in here, look what you've done. So that raisinette's sitting there and he walks in and goes, oh my gosh, I didn't do that. Just like the movie <laughs> Caddy Shack where the baby roof, I picked the raisinette up popped in my mouth, and I got mortified him for life. Now once again, I cleaned that toilet seat very clean. But I don't think he was – he was traumatized in terms of seeing his dad do something like that, uh, which is pretty funny. Uh, I will show you he, – he didn't want me to bring up this T-shirt. I was going to wear this today, but I thought this was going to be funny, but he was like, Dad, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if you see the trees cut in the woods, and, and he was like, do not do that, that's going to embarrass me. So I've got to embarrass my kids. I, you know, they, they try their best to embarrass me. I mean, Lord Grayson had me doing Dancing with the Cards when that thing we wanted. Uh, but I don't you know. I, I, that's how I live life. I don't take myself too serious. Um, so um, we like to have a good time as a family. And I would say this, through the whole COVID thing, uh, I think a lot of families probably can look at that situation, too, and look at some positives. The positive has been yeah. a family. Man, we've been together. We, we always tried to eat as a family. We prayed together as a family for a meal. But this thing probably has really helped us, too, to slow down. Uh, and as a as a, as a a parent of one that traveled everywhere with sports and volleyball, basketball, you name it. And poor McLean, she's just drug along. She's just always in the gym, and you're going to be like that, too. This probably, for us, shows that we could slow down. We don't have to be in a rat race, and it's okay. And uh, do we miss sports? Yes, we miss it. Our kids miss it. But also, through this, we've learned that some things you just appreciate more, and that is sports. But also, it's not the end-all, be-all of families, that you have to do those things every weekend and travel. So it's probably been good for us as well. Um. You know, and it's, this this kind of going back to
0: the, the how they're going to open up sports. You know, for colleges, do you think their colleges are going to kind of base what the pros do? Because there's a lot of talk about how they're going to. Uh, you know, the NBA players were at, like asked to survey. I think they got texted survey. Do you want to finish the season? Yes or no, by the NBA uh, Players Association, and they're on the. I think they're in the process of making it happen. Baseball is in the process of making it happen. Football is going to. Kind of, I think they're going to um puts the season back just a little bit on the start time. Do you think the college basketball or college sports in general uh, are gonna, kind of watching that and seeing how they do it before they make a decision?
1: You know, I think, um, I think it's always it comes down to dollars. I think it comes down to business decisions. Yeah. And I think uh, the NFL is a completely different market, we know, because they've got a players' union. And uh, in terms of how they can do things, I think in terms of college – It's hard to have college football without having college. Um, That's why I think you're seeing some colleges saying, we're starting back. We're going to start back. We're going to have face-to-face classes because, for one, uh, baseball, can you play baseball without fans, possibly? Here's the reason for me. I found baseball kind of boring until later into the playoffs. Now, I know Todd's a baseball guy and he can live it and watch it every day. I can't. Uh, but in terms of college football, I want to be in the stands. I want to tailgate. Uh, that That's me. Mm-hmm. And also watching college football, I think the fans make college football what it is. Golf, you may not need fans because it's a quiet sport until Tiger tees off, and then it gets loud or he hits a big <laughs> butt or whoever it may be. Uh, but – I want to see college football back selfishly because I want to look forward to something. I want to see it back. Uh, as we mentioned, I'm a diehard with uh, with Notre Dame and just anything. My gosh, college football, you can find me up at midnight watching Boise State versus Wyoming, and I'll watch <laughs> it because it's on. Um, I think you're going to have to see maybe fans sign a waiver if they go to a game and schools aren't held liable if they get COVID-19 after going to a football game. There's going to be a – lawyers are going to eat this thing up. Uh, so, I think there's got to be some liability things they've got to look at. Uh, but uh, I, I, I hope we start up uh, – I, I do look at – this may be a conference decision. I think SEC is going to approach it different than the Pac-12. I think the Los Angeles County has already said they're going to shut down for three more months. So, the schools that are in L.A. or around that area, they may not have college football. But you know what, there's other conferences that are going to say, well, we're going to have it. And I think, it once again, it's going to get into some kind of local decision-making of what it's going to look like. I know Notre Dame, I'll say this, they contacted me uh, a week and a half ago about my season tickets, and uh, I renewed. Uh, They told me if it's not going to be there, don't refund my money, but I'm not, you know, going to base something on waiting uh, to see what it looks like. If it starts after Labor Day, that's fine. I'm happy to give up the August games if that's what it is. Yeah. I think Notre Dame is going to be interesting because not being in the conference, you know, the scheduling may look different. But uh, And I'm fine with that. I mean, I just want to see it played.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you said you're not really a baseball guy. but I, And I don't know about Alec and Todd, but if you haven't watched that Korean Baseball League game, they're some of the most entertaining things I've ever seen. They've got actual, like, cartoon cutouts of people sitting in, the, like, the, the seats right behind home plate. That's awesome. It's. I mean, it's. It really. It's a good time. They've got American announcers who are watching the stream like this from their house and just announcing the games. I mean, it's. It's pretty entertaining. I'm. I'm with you though. Uh, games in in April and May really don't entertain me until we get to the postseason. That's or down the stretch. So I can
1: understand that. And I think because college football is week to week, you know, if you lose on a Saturday. Well, uh, if it's early August, you, you maybe can still make a run to the playoffs. But, you know, every Saturday matters. And uh, I think that's where some sports, when you play, I'll tell you this, college basketball, I I was a die-hard college basketball fan. But, man, here lately, I don't really tune in until February. Uh, of, of. I hate to say that, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, college football, for me, is the sport to watch just because mm-hmm. it's a one-day spectacle or maybe a Thursday night or whatever it may be. But I don't know. I just – I live and die by that one game a week And where college basketball, you kind of know, well, you can lose maybe December, January. Your city's not going to be too much affected as it could be towards the end. Yeah. I I mean, I just
2: want to say, you know, I I don't know if anybody has any more questions, but I just want to thank you, man, for, you know, doing this with us today because, you know, this has been, this has been as fun as I've had, you know, doing this, you know, just getting to talk sports and, you know, we really didn't have an agenda. We're just, you know, shooting stuff out there to talk about. And, you know, man, I really appreciate you being open about, you know, everything. You know, it takes a lot for, you know, somebody that has your, you know, your brand and stuff to say, you know, stuff about what's going on with the COVID and, you know, just talk to us about your kids and, you know, we really appreciate you coming on and and doing that for us, Max.
1: Well, I appreciate the invitation. And, uh, you know, you guys are, are providing a podcast now that a lot of people are needing. Uh, they're looking forward to something. So I, I just appreciate the opportunity to, to speak and not just talk politics. It's good to talk about other things. And I try to be vast and, a whole bunch of different topics. You know, my background, work for the FBI and do some stuff. I mean, I'm very blessed that, um, you know, I can can shift focus and talk about different things. But talking sports, I think it brings us all together. Uh, And I hope that that's why we have fall sports. I hope we have high school football. We have high school golf. We have everything that's out there. Because, once again, that spring season uh, will never come back. And I just hope that we don't have that happen for another generation of students right now. And so I hope we can do this in a safe way, but we can do it in a common sense approach. And so I once again, I thank you all for allowing me to come on today.
0: Well, Max, I just want to say thank you for coming on, and we appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, we, uh, it's it's not every day you get to get a Kentucky State Senator on a... (laughs) on a show and talk. Um so it's really good having that. It's uh you know, we've all in some way coached one of your kids and something. Uh you know, I was lucky I coached uh Jackson and Carter a little bit. Um so like I said, I just want to thank you for coming on. We appreciate it and we appreciate you taking the time out for us and your support. Um you got you know, I know Alec talks about it a lot and you you constantly say something new. You and you and the family always say, you know, hey, you know, we watch this and we watch this and you
1: know, we really appreciate that support. You're welcome. I'm just going to hold this up one more time. (laughs) Anything I can do to get that trending for Alec, I'm all about it. (laughs) Guys, thank you all again. Appreciate it.
0: Appreciate it. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, buddy. See you all.